Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. You know, I read the scripture from, uh, from uh, one of the books of Moses. It was practically from the last uh, farewell message Moses had. I cannot identify myself with Moses. So like Moses is here somewhere and Pastor Greg is kind of here, no? So I, I, cannot, I cannot speak like Moses. But some of the beautiful thoughts he presented, I might take, and I will take maybe more the approach he had. So today in my message, I prepared a lot of things, but uh, I will not cover everything the way I like it because of the time, and you'll have the material tomorrow, God willing, every member of our church will have the message Pastor Greg prepared, plus other things he believes saving grace needs. But I will cover some of the things, whether they are old or new, because I, I felt like Moses kind of review all the history up to that time, right? And he reminded them about the law of God and reminded them how the Lord saved them and reminded them how they turned away from God. And at the end, he made such a powerful appeal to them to be faithful. You find it all over his message. Let me read a little bit. I'm, I'm so, so blessed to read this and I'll try to apply to our moment today. So Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30 from verse 15. Again, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. I mean, some of the words Moses Declare here, I would like to use for you and to say, hey, brothers and sisters, love the Lord your God. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, all your power, all your time, with everything you have, because in that is your happiness, rest your happiness. And he also reminded them, verse 17, but you, your heart turns away but if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I'm not reading this for you. As you saw, even the scripture today, as Sister Lisa, to not read that part, which is curses and some other stuff. But there is a principle here. The man of God doesn't want his people to turn away. And that's my desire too. So in my presentation, you'll see some of these thoughts. And at the end from verse 19, you know, he calls heaven and earth as witness. And after that, 
the last part of verse 19, now choose life so that you and your children may live. The title of my sermon today is choose the life because you'll see the life I'm talking about is not the temporary life. It's not even the everlasting life from which the person, the author of life is missing. The life I would like you and me to choose today is Jesus. Because you see further that you may love the Lord your God, verse 20. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is whom? Is what? For the Lord is your life. You find this in the Old Testament? There is no difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament in terms of who is God and what are his plans for humanity. The difference is that the Old Testament talks about the Jesus who would come and the New Testament talks about Jesus who had come. But he's the same father. And, and I'll, write, I'll read again. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So may I start with some concerns, which are, they apply to every, every church today. I'm not saying that they are specifically chosen to, to warn you, but they are there. There are things out there, and I would like you to be aware of their existence. First, my concern is about superficiality and lack of reverence in our relationship with God. I can stop here for the rest of the day because in worship, in our attitude of reverence to the Lord, of adoration, of thanksgiving and praise, in the attitude of worship rests everything else. But today, in the Christian world, you don't see too much of genuinity, depth, and profound spirit of worship. So be careful about this, friends. Never be satisfied with the experience you have today. I told you maybe many times in the past, I, I love God. I believe I love God. But when I talk with him, I say, Lord, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with the love I have to you. I'm, I don't even know exactly how great is that love. But here I am. Give me your love, dear Jesus, for the Father, for the Holy Spirit, for you. I want to love God the way he wants. I want every drop of energy to be used for the glory of God. I want every single moment to worship God, to serve the Lord. I don't want a superficial religion. And you must not want either. Feeding and keeping both natures alive. As it was preached and we learn even during the Sabbath school lesson this quarter, hey, 
It's either one or the other. You can't serve two masters. And we must make this commitment every single day that we'll serve only the Lord and we'll feed only the spiritual nature. I have a sinful nature. You have a sinful nature. None of us is uh, somehow in a situation where he or she will never be tempted again. The moment I do not worship the Lord daily and feed my sp the spiritual nature, the other nature is what? Is coming up. We must crucify the self, deny ourselves, take the cross every single day, and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The third concern is following the influence of the world, goals, habits, principles, fashion, pleasures. It's impossible to live in the world and not be influenced. And giants of spirituality, holy men and women, turn away from God because of the great influence of the world. I know, I know, I met, I touched one of the greatest leaders I've ever known. And he developed a friendship with somebody from the world on business matters. And that person saw him, saw the man of God, and brought him into a situation where he had to resign. And he had to endure the, 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 the consequences of this. He has never been so great from that time on. He's still a man of God. He still does things which I may, I, will, I, may, I may never be able to do it because he was a giant. But man, he lost. We must love the world, but we must not become friends with the world. You may have friends in the world to bring them to Christ. The friendship of the world, says the word of God, is not pleasing to God. Unfaithfulness to God, to our own souls, to church, family, and mission. Friends, we are saved by the grace of Christ. For what? For what? There is no happiness outside of faithfulness. There is no joy outside of loving the church, loving your mission, loving your family. Nothing good is outside of this principle. Bringing the world's music and fashion and other things into the church. Okay, we will not sing the way our pioneers sang. We need, there is a, a development in every area. But be careful, friends, be careful. The one who, is, who was number one in the universe after Jesus, the director of the choir of the universe, Lucifer, will not tempt you with the music that is not from God? Give me a break. Some people say, no, pastor, you know what? Music is music. You might not like my style. I might not like that style. So Satan doesn't have anything with music? 
If you remember when the people, when Nebuchadnezzar uh, uh, built up that image, what was there to make them worship his image? I think it was the most perfect human music in the world. The orchestra was there because music generates emotions which my sermon might never generate. The music doesn't go like the, the rhythm, the melody, even the words, it, it, when they are accompanied by the two, which I, I mentioned, they don't stop to your consciousness. Oh, I take now this uh, rhythm, but I don't take the other one. No, your heart is, is like a sponge. Words, yes. But even words, if you listen to some words over and over again, they might find a place in your mind. Be careful. Because you go to churches today and you find the same style. Go out in the world, the way they move, the way they sing, the way they, you know, and you go to some Christian churches and you find the same style. Personally, I believe there must be a difference between the world and between me as a child of God. The other concern is about mass media. TV, internet, movies, all other, other things. They, if we are addicted to, to, to these mass media uh, uh, sources, friends, they make up who we are. In Brazil, about four hours per day, the average people spend in front of the TV, internet, and other stuff like that about four hours per day. How do you think a person who watches so much all this will become? Who do you think will become? Whatever Satan is uh, challenging us, tempting us by our senses, we must be careful. We must be careful. I'm not saying to do what I'm, I'm doing. There are ears. I don't want to exaggerate. Years, you understand, it was, it, it's not one year or two years or three years. Years since I watch maybe one minute per month TV. I have other sources to know what's going on in the world. I don't need to, 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 to stay and spend. I, practically, I can't. Honestly, I can't. I'm not saying be like Pastor Greg in this respect, but... You find a middle way. Seven, let, letting the today's culture of immorality and sensuality to invade and control, uh, control uh, our lives. Everything is sex, friends. You know, Pastor Greg doesn't like to, to speak about this. I, I have so many other topics in the Bible I didn't, I, I didn't cover during my ministry to you, so why coming? to this one. But friends, everywhere is sex. You don't see uh, even, even maybe, a, a, I don't know, any, any item that is necessary for something. You, you see a beautiful young lady over there dressed in a way that will, will attract, attract your attention. Don't ever think that the immorality and the sensuality that is out there in the world 
will never touch you, will never reduce your sensitivity to God. So there must be a concentrated effort on this to keep yourself away. Keep yourself away, and that will protect you. The mind is the best we have. We must never put in our minds the garbage of, this, of Satan. We must never accept relationships as Christians that are taking us away from God. We must never take advantage of a, of a young lady, a widow, a, a person in crisis. Never. Never. You know, maybe more than I know, you come from different churches, from different places, and immorality is not a big deal for many. I just heard a, a, a very... You know, in a place where I, as you know, I travel from time to time. So I, I, I found this young man, tall, handsome, you know, talented. So he opened his heart and said, you know, I went to one church. And a lady, a young lady who was married said, I would like you to be my boyfriend. But you are married, he said. Yes, but I still want a boyfriend. Friends. It becomes something natural. And when that creeps in, talk about spirituality. Talk about a godly person. Talk now. It robs you from everything good. Careful. And the last one, false prophets, false teachings, false movements, false Christians. Sunrise Church experiences a situation which is public, so I'm not talking in their back, you know. Uh, uh, shepherd rod movement. It's like they infiltrate the church, they become even, you know, people with positions over there. And these people practically, they don't have their own churches sometimes. They will go from place to place, and instead of going out there in the world and helping a, a poor person and helping somebody who needs God, they want to reform you. Be careful, church. You are a small group. The elders of the church should be like, like, you know, like lions, spiritual lions. They say, brother, so what's your need here? What can we do for you? That doesn't mean that we, we are not supposed to move from church to church to become. No, no, I'm not talking about that. For example, if I had my, my home across the street, I would come to you. Even if I had been member, I don't know where, for 30 years. Hey, it's a... But be careful. People, they come and they want to use our facility Friday evening for some special meetings. Why do, don't they use their facility? Why do they need an, a, a good elder with a good heart? Say, Pastor, you know what? They speak about this and this and this. Okay, why don't they speak over there? And we can speak here, or you may invite one of them to come one time, you know. Not they come with their group. 
False, false, false. Do we need reform? Yes, we need. But Jesus in, in, in Revelation doesn't have the eighth church. It's like he has the seventh church called Laodicea. We identify with Laodicea, and he has a message to us, sure. But he didn't say, you know what? There is a little movement here. They come and can help you to forget about what you believe so far and go, no, no, no. We need reform, but here we have the truth. We don't need to go in other places. Be careful, friends. A, a shrewd person, and they have the capacity to, to, especially people with a good heart, they have the capacity to say nice words, great words, and you say, wow, this is a saint. And a year, two years, down the road, you find yourself going away. Ready, finished with the concerns. I have a dream for you. You become a training school for heaven. A church of prayer, a church that worships God in spirit and in truth, the result, men and women of prayer. We must ever, ever learn and relearn this. Ever. Communion with God is maybe number one need we all have. A church of grace, just as the name is. Result, agents of saving grace. That's what we are here for become agents of saving grace. A church of, of the word, the word of God, result living epistles. Too much theory, friends. The Bible must, I must become a little Bible, a little living Bible, like Paul says, living epistles. Because the word of God is in me and I live by the word and on the world. The Church of the Holy Spirit, the result, spirit-filled members. If we, even if we have a, a debate, we don't see eye to eye. If we are led by the Spirit of God, we'll come to unity. I can learn from you, you can learn from me, we all can learn from others, because the Spirit of God is teaching us. A holy and united Church, whose Savior, Commander, Way, Center, Life, Truth, a reward is Jesus Christ himself. The result, men and women like Jesus. That's the Christianity we talk about. That kind of Christianity. A loving and faithful church whose roots, faith, and hope are in the cross of Christ and whose members experience the assurance and joy of salvation. Whatever is your reason you come here for, Eventually, you want to be saved. And everything must be connected to salvation. What will be the benefit if we know all the truth and if we have all the things in the world and when Jesus comes, we'll have to hide ourselves from his face? No. It's salvation. And if I look for salvation, I must not forget that you are looking for salvation. And the last one, an obedient missionary church, the result, every member a missionary. Every member should be a priest. Every member should be a disciple of Jesus. Every member, every member should be like an apostle. 
And we learn. We learn from God. We learn from each other. So these are blessings. The other ones were concerns. And now I'll take you to what I believe is the supreme purpose of life. When we talk in, uh, when we read in the scripture, Moses said, and make the Lord your life. This is what I, I would like to, to leave for saving grace. And I'm taking for my family too. First, and the most important, when I say supreme, there is nothing above, right? That's the word. God created us for his glory. From the smallest inanimate thing to the great seraph, angel, and any other human being was created by God for his glory. This is nothing selfish, friends. Nothing selfish. God knows that we are happy only when we glorify him. He said, I created for my glory. Nobody can say it better than God. Jesus declares, let your light shine. Together, two, three. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And Paul, Paul says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It is so important. It is so easy for me to do things for my own glory. It is so easy to choose one of you because I like him or her and to, to do in a way that practically you'll not hear me pronouncing the word of Jesus, the word Jesus, but talking about that person, you know, so easy. But the true purpose of life is that we whether we eat, or drink, or dress, or preach, or build, or sing, we do all for the glory of God. Now, the Bible talks about other four purposes, which I use as the avenue to fulfill this. They are powerful by themselves too. Everyone can stand by itself but they are in such a way presented throughout the Bible that you realize, hey, if I really want to glorify God, I must experience the other four purposes. Now, here are they. God created us to be like him. You have the Bible, the Bible verse, verses over there. If you and me become like our creator in character and mind, we glorify God. If I do not have the similitude, if, I, if I'm not becoming like, like Jesus, I do not glorify God. I can't. I can't. That was God's purpose from the beginning. God created us for himself. He created us for a relationship. Personal, sweet fellowship. He didn't create us to come to church and after that go home and forget about him. No. Wherever we go, whatever we do, God wants to be 
at our side. He wants to talk with us. He wants to help us. He wants to heal us. He wants to make our life beautiful. Some of the most beautiful verses in the Bible I found in, in uh, Psalm 16. Verse, the last verse is verse 11. You have shown me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore at your right hand. You talk about uh, immorality and whatever the world gives, as Pastor Dexter preached yesterday night. See, they go, they drink, they, they, and they say, wow, we had such a good time. False, lie, he says. You didn't have any good time when you destroy your body, when you take advantage of somebody else. The best time, the real good time, is to be with God. Now, if I spend my time with God, am I going to glorify Him? Surely. But if I don't spend my time with God, am I going to glorify Him? No. I can use words. I can be a talented singer. I can become the greatest preacher ever. Empty words. Empty actions. Empty characters. No. I must live with God. That's the only way that takes me to the beautiful experience of glorifying Him. God created us for His pleasure. I'm not created, you are not created for the pleasure of the devil. For the pleasure of another human beings, being. For your own selfish pleasure. No. God created us for His pleasure. Now, if we get into the heart of God and see a little bit what He's meaning, his pleasure is, is to see us happy. His pleasure is to, to protect us. His pleasure is to forgive us. His pleasure is to, to overflow us with his love, with his grace. His pleasure is to give us his spirit. His pleasure is to go back, to, to, to live with him. God's pleasure is your only happiness. If I do not live for the pleasure of God, I automatically live for the pleasure of the enemy. There is no need of another comment here. And the same with you. And this is where we need, Lord, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to dress? How do you want to approach this situation? How can I glorify you as I'm doing this and this and this and this? God's pleasure. And the last one, God created us for his works. No idleness in the kingdom of God. No uh, self-centeredness in the true religion. No, not too many breaks on the way to heaven. There is a work, there is a mission. It's not only for the pastor, for the elders, for the leaders of the church. It's for every single member. Because you and I are really happy when we made a difference in somebody else's life. The main work God has for us is to bring souls to Christ. Is to reveal God to the world. Is to say, listen, I have been like you. I have been there. 
But the Lord did this for me. He saved me. He transformed me. He delivered me. And he is going to do the same in your life if you accept him. Whatever you had experienced in the past is reinforced by telling me what God did for you. There was not only one time when tears, tears came into my eyes while telling the story. At least this last uh, October 25th was the very day, the very night, about, about 30 years ago. Let me say, let me, let me, 20, oh, more than 30. About 34 years ago, when one night, about which I told you in the past, one night, the Lord put his hand on, on a broken heart and mind and body. I was in military service. I was drinking like a, a fool, like a crazy person. Skinny as you see me. There, it was necessary for three, four soldiers to rub me down. Even some of the leaders, which that means prison, when you, you know, when you mistreat one of your leaders, he would go to some strong soldiers to send them to me. He was afraid to come to me. One night, one night, I said, Lord, I've been trying, but I can't. If you do not help me, help me. If you do not help me, I will die. October 25th, 1979. Since then, never. And whatever comes through fellowship and drinking and smoking and beating and other kind of stuff, they were automatically also removed from my life. So telling the story reminds you how great God is, how good God is, and helps you to move on in faith. Friends, I can't say something more. I have, you'll have, you have the written material. You'll have it in your hands by the grace of God tomorrow. Everything is here. Seen destroyed us. Sin destroyed all these purposes of God that takes us to the main purpose, His glory. But this is why Christ came. By sin we have been separated from the life of God. Our souls are paralyzed. Of ourselves we are no more capable of living a holy life than was the crippled man capable of walking during Jesus' time. Many are longing for that spiritual life that will bring them back here. But they can't. They fail. They are defeated. In despair, they cry, oh, the wretched man I am. Who will rescue me of myself, of this body of death? And the word is, let these depressed, struggling ones look up. The Savior is bending over the purchase of his blood, saying with inexpressible tenderness and mercy, do you want to get well? Do you want to get back over there? Because friends, to be well means to be like him, to 
belong to him, to live for his pleasure, and to do his works. Then you are whole again. And the Lord Jesus says, do not wait to feel that you are made whole. Believe my words. Put your will on my side. Will to serve me. And in acting upon my word, you will be strengthened. You'll be transformed. You'll be redeemed. You'll be used by my, for my glory. That's what Jesus promises us. Jesus came in order to prove that what God planned in the beginning is possible to be experienced. Jesus came and proved in his own life. And Jesus came to prove in the life of others. Take Joseph. How can I do this wickedness and sin against God in a very sensual, immoral world? How was possible? He had the Lord always before him. Just David says in Psalm 16, 8, I have set the Lord always before my eyes. When he is at my right hand, I shall never be moved, never be shaken. Jesus came to prove that you and me can become again like God in character, can live with God and have him be the owner of everything we have or are, can live for the pleasure of our Heavenly Father and can do his mighty works. Yes, friends, that's the challenge. That's what I would like Saving Grace and every member of Saving Grace to experience. And I am praying for that, for myself and for my wife. I cannot be the right minister if these are not part of my life. I don't want even to be friends. Why to play like an actor in a, in a how you call it, a play? In a play, right? Play to play. Why? Why? The, law, the world has so many actors. I want to be genuine. Now, the last... The last word I would like to say is for those of us who sometimes experience hardship, pain, separations, sickness, depression, even the approaching of death. How, how can this help you? to overcome the challenges of life? How can this help you in your particular situation? Because if they don't have any impact on us, on, on our daily journey, I think this is only a theory. But they have friends. I, I learned about the... Mr. Clayton, Mr. Clayton was the prosecutor of, of the country of Brazil. Something similar like with the attorney general here. Great man, great, great, great. He was great as a, as a soccer player. At the age of 18, he was already in, in good, soccer teams he was great but he met christ 
And he understood that his life is meant to glorify God. So the young Clayton said, goodbye, soccer, especially in Brazil, you know, even in Romania. By the way, let me tell you something, because if I don't tell you now, you'll never know. I was just at the pastor's meeting in Kapka to see what sport may, may mean for some people. I'm a little bit ashamed to tell you, but that's the truth. And I met Pastor Dacuna. Dacuna, he was pastor at, at no, uh, Miami Temple many years. Now he's in another part of Florida. There was the World Cup, soccer World Cup, you know, this year. One time I didn't turn on the TV. One time I didn't ask anybody. Towards the end of everything, you know, I had a little curiosity. I said, man, no, because I, I, would, I would eat soccer. I would eat soccer, you know, in, in my, my youth. So everything finished. By the way, I'm doing this for the last two, three World Cups. So I, <laughs> I'm not interested. But now everything was over. So you are a little bit embarrassed. People know who, who, who is the number one in the world, and you don't know. So I approached Pastor Dacuna and said, you know, so what happened? He said, you don't know? No, I don't know. He said, Germany. And not, not Brazil. Since I was very young, I knew, uh, I, I learned about Pelé. And man, Pelé became like an idol to me, you know. But not in a, even that time, not in a very bad sense. When I heard Pelé speaking to hundreds of thousands, maybe, of people and saying, we must be honest. The word I would like to leave with you when he finished his farewell is the love, love. That touched me as a child. I mean, his character was great. So now, honestly, if I want to return to soccer, Brazil is my favorite if Romania is left behind. So now I was, and I said, but what happened? So friends, don't tell anybody what I'm telling you now. As he would tell me what happened in the game, that I think it was 5-1 or 7-2, like, and how it happened. Friends, tears, tears in my heart. They were here. I was embarrassed, so I kind of, I could have cried because Brazil So you talk about human nature? So I'm not with this. So Clayton, to come back to the Attorney General, he could have been a kind of Pelé, but he chose Christ to glorify Christ. Over the years, he became, he, he was baptized in the church, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He became like the Attorney General of the country. And he was very good friends with my favorite evangelist, Pastor Bouillon. He was so influential that three of the young men of Pastor Bouillon, young uh, children, boys, they went to the law school. <laughs> More influential than, than the pastor to his, his boys. One of them is a great uh, attorney in, uh, in Brazil. The other two, maybe it was too difficult for them. So now, all of a sudden, 
Elder Clayton goes to the doctor and the doctor said, you know what? You have only one year to live. The cancer has eaten up your lungs and practically is all over. So he was a man of God. He was a man of faith. He was for all these things. And I believe he exhibited this in his life. But to be 60 or 65 or whatever, and to hear that you are about to die is not pleasant. So the first four, five months were terrible to him. Terrible. It was about two weeks before he died. Pastor Bouillon said, let me go and spend the Sabbath with him. They didn't know that he would die in two weeks. And they did a Sabbath school. They have a worship service. And now the ladies were preparing something in the kitchen. And Brother Clayton looked to the pastor and he said, I would like to share something with you. I am cured. Wow. That's a mir miracle. And his face was bright, a beautiful light. I am cured. I am healed. Now, Pastor Bouillon, look at him. And he didn't look like a cured man. He was skin and bones. And he, he said, do you understand what I said? He said, yeah, yeah, Pastor, praise the Lord. You know, what, doctor, praise the Lord, what to, what to say? No, 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 you don't understand. He said, you look at me and I see in your eyes, you don't kind of believe it. Pastor said, it's kind of difficult to live, you know. I mean, honestly, the way you look. But if you said that you are cured, what, who am I to say no? He said, no, 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 I have to explain. I couldn't take it. I couldn't accept it. And six months after I, I realized that I will die, one morning I said, man, I'm losing my faith. And I realized that I begin to have doubts and questions. Why me? I, 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 I gave up soccer and I, so many things and I, he was a man in the church. He did his job for, uh, no, for the country, but he was a great man, a great elder in the church. And I began to realize that I let this tragic situation to rob me from my peace and from the kingdom. So I prayed to the Lord very seriously. I said, Lord, cure me of this cancer. My faith is shaking. Cure me. Don't allow me with this kind of faith. My trust in you is shaking. Doubts are coming up to my mind, entering my mind. So please, Lord, cure me of this cancer. Now, whether you are going to cure me of the, the other can, physical cancer, that's up to you. I, I would be happy, but that's not my concern. My concern is the spiritual cancer. And he said, Pastor, I'd like to let you know, the Lord cured me. Amen. I'm happy in the Lord. Whether the Lord will give me another 15 years or 15 days, that's up to him. I have peace. I have joy. I'm cured. Amen. In 15 days, he passed.
at his funeral, a great philosopher, an atheist, who enduring the life of this man didn't come to Christ at his funeral when he was lowered into the grave. He kind of declared himself a follower of Christ. To live for the glory of God means to live or to be ready to die when God decides. I'm not talking about death now, but I'm talking to people who in the future will experience the fear of death. I'm talking to you about this because when it comes to death, many of us are tempted to lose faith. And if you have an example of a powerful man of God who in his ordeal, he gave all to the Lord, why should I not do it? Why should you not do it? I thank God for the beautiful years we spent with you. And tomorrow, practically, along with my wife, we'll talk about this. But I cannot overlook the fact that during my ministry here, I was challenged with the signs of death. I'm not considering myself like this great giant, but I'm telling you something. In the depth of my suffering, in the depth of my pit, I felt a love for God which I have never felt so deep. And I was happy. I was happy. And whether we are going to live another 100 years or as many as the Lord decides, if we decide to live for only for the glory of God, and if you take into account that in order to accomplish that, you and I must become like Jesus in character. We are created to belong to Jesus. We are created and we are living for the pleasure of God. And we are created and we are living, doing the holy works he has prepared for us. Believe me, you are on the right track. Shall we praise God for that? Shall we glorify God for that? Let's stand to have a special prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this, at this moment to thank you for the word of God in which we find blessings, promises, and power for every situation. Lord, I thank you for the seven years you have given us with saving grace, for the things you have helped us to accomplish together, for this building, and for those dreams you have blessed us with. We cannot forget that many things we should have done, we have not done it. And we ask forgiveness for that. Forgive me, Lord, if many other things and blessings you have preferred for your people and you couldn't bestow upon them because of my limitations, because of my struggles, 
Forgive whatever has not been pleasing to you. And help us to never forget that you have been with us at every step of the way. You know that here I have experienced both the most profound pain and most profound challenges and trials in my life and also the most beautiful gift you have given me through my wife. This church has been witnessing all this and they have been with us during the first ones and they have smiled and rejoiced with us when it came to the second. How can I leave them without praying that you'll help them to take a stand regarding all those concerns and you fulfill all the dreams this church is called to? How can I move on without begging you to take each and every one by the hand and to accomplish in them and with them what Satan destroyed by sin. We are meant to live for your glory. We are meant to smile at your feet. We are meant to become like Jesus. We are created for you, Lord to live with you every single moment of our lives. We are created and recreated for your pleasure because your pleasure is our, is our happiness. And we are created for good works, Father, specific plans for this church, for every individual. And we pray that through all these, your name will be glorified. Why to waste time and why to forget about this call, which is the highest? Because only those who are going to glorify you on this earth, to become like Jesus here, only those will have the beautiful, beautiful reality of glorifying you in the kingdom of heaven. We pray, Lord, that Sickness, trials, difficulties will not be part of your people here. And in, in the case you allow some of this to, to realize in us what you otherwise would not be able to do, I pray, we pray that they will never turn away from you in trials. They will never lose sight of you in darkness, they will never forget about you when things will not be the way they want. We pray that you'll ever be the leader of this church, the Lord, the Savior, and the King. We pray that you bless them with health, happiness, and salvation. 
And we pray that you make each and every one of them an agent of salvation in this world and an instrument of healing. Heal every disease. Bring comfort to every heart. And bless each and every one of us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, when that unpleasant news come regarding death, may we be prepared for that too. May we be ready every single day, either to be taken to rest or to be taken to meet Jesus in glory. May none of us be lost. May each and every one of us be saved now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.